welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shrek Sember shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I just got back from Paris. I'm talking just got back, dropped my bags, opened the door to my office, and started recording this. And I'm, I'm, I'm still with it. Like, my brain is still... I switched over to California time on the plane, which is a thing I do to avoid jet lag, and it works brilliantly. But I also just arrived home and shoved an entire king-sized candy bar into my mouth. Uh, I'm eating a Cadbury double-decker duo. I don't know what it was. It was like chocolate and nougat and like little hazelnut bits, but I picked it up on our, our single-day journey to London. We crammed a little trip to London in our Thanksgiving visit to Paris, and it was wonderful. I had a great time. I went to Disneyland Paris for a few hours. I saw their Christmas parade, which I know I've yelled about on Instagram and on Twitter a bunch already this past week, but their Christmas parade was incredible. I will be writing about it, so don't even worry. It'll probably be in my sci-fi column, but oh my God, this Christmas parade was bonkers. I ran into Denise from Mouse Steps, who basically summoned me to the hub at Disneyland Paris. She was like, um, you, you gotta watch the parade from here. And Denise knows enough about the shout out to Denise. Denise knows enough about Disneyland Paris to essentially kind of be a local. And she told me exactly where to stand, exactly where to see everything. And I got to see Goofy dance up close in front of the most beautiful Disney castle that exists. It was heaven. It was heaven. And uh, I highly recommend traveling over Thanksgiving break if your family lets you. Because we looked around and there weren't any solid plans. And we booked plane tickets and we were gone. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, mom. But yeah, it was, it was dope. It was great. Anyway... Uh, far-flung travels aside, we've made it! We've made it to the second ever installation of shrek I am so excited for what we have lined up. Frankly, there is more lined up for this month than I know what to do with. I thought, you know, maybe year two, there might not be as many Shrek stories. No, no, no. No, no, no. There are many out there, and I cannot wait to tell you a new one each and every week, including this week, which, oh, it's so special, Shrekbox. I... Oh, I'm so excited. It's so nice to be here in December and really have something to look forward to. I will get into this later in the episode, but Shrek-sember is all about visibility and heralding this character who could be a Jewish icon and currently is not. And I love just exploring the different forms of lore and fandom and culture surrounding this weird little ogre that we all have either a theme park connection to or a film connection to or a childhood connection to. Shrek is quite loved, and I've only realized it in the past year, and I'm so grateful to bring all of you into the fold in this little theme park corner of the podcasting universe. So stick around. I hope you are also very excited for the month-long festivities. I will be blowing up your Twitter feeds and your Instagram feeds with so many Shrek memes for the next uh, 31 days, however many days there are in December. So get amped. Shrek Sember is here, and I cannot wait to celebrate with you. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. We made it to year two of 
Shrek Simber. Honestly, I know I'm committed to doing this for the rest of my life, or at least until DreamWorks stops putzing around and puts Shrek in a Hanukkah sweater, but it feels really good to be back in the swampy saddle, celebrating our main man Shrek once again. For those who aren't new here or just haven't immersed themselves in the fairy tale world of Shrek's Ember in some time, allow me to refresh your memory with our mission statement, or why we now dedicate a month out of every year here on Very Amusing to the one and only Jewish A-list animated character that exists. Yes, Shrek is Jewish, and we are leaning hard into that concept yet again this year. The very first episode of Shrek's Ember from back in 2020 details this concept as a whole, but essentially, Shrek is Jewish for four specific reasons. One, his name is Yiddish, meaning monster and derived from the word terror or fright. His literal name is rooted in a language historically and extensively used by Jewish people in Central Europe. Number two, Shrek, the character, film, and his likeness are all based on pre-existing source material, a book called Shrek by William Steig, a Jewish man and child of Polish-Jewish immigrants. Three, it is said that Shrek, the origin story for all these films, is an allegory for the Eastern European Jewish experience, specifically the shtetls and the Pale of Settlement where Jews were sent to live. And number four, because screenwriter Ben Meckler's mom says so. Again, I implore you to listen back to the first episode where we establish all of this for more detail. But nevertheless, if you're wondering, why Shrek? Why Jewish? Here on a theme park podcast. Well, it's because no one really talks about this or hadn't until recently. But it's very hard to be a Jewish theme park fan. For one-sixth of the year, these parks embrace Christmas in a way that can leave many of us who don't celebrate it on the outside. The Hanukkah holiday visibility is getting better, but it is nowhere near good. Disney sells some food items at their festival and has stepped it up with menorah displays in the parks. But Universal? As far as I know, they're essentially doing next to nothing. Next to nothing! And even when we do get visibility, it's often flawed. The only character Disney will currently publicly acknowledge as Jewish is Kronk, a real D-lister if you ask me. And the merchandise selection continues to be abysmal, offering light laughter and latkes or whatever themed throws and trays, which make no sense. Laughter? From what, dreidel? You tell me the next time you have a roaring good time spinning a top and gambling small pieces of chocolate shaped like coins. Again, Proud of my culture, love our traditions, but we're not here laughing about a miracle that kept oil burning for eight nights during a frickin' war. And once again, I can't even complain about Universal's merch because they have none. I've never seen any, and I'm pretty sure no one there is making it a priority to churn it out. As a theme park reporter who spends a lot of time in these spaces, and more specifically, a lot of time critiquing them, I spent years telling myself, I celebrate American Christmas. I was getting into the spirit of the season, despite falsely assimilating into a celebration with religious origins without acknowledging the extent to which there was no decent parallel offering for people who don't buy in. And if my job is to critique these spaces I love to make them better, why wouldn't I do the same for something like this? And then came a story in Hey Alma in 2020 that asserted Shrek as being Jewish and everything changed. Here was an arguably canonically Jewish character seen in Universal Parks worldwide, just hanging out, poised to become the representation so many of us want and need at a time when inclusivity is at the peak of the cultural zeitgeist. 
I dedicate the month of December to him. I publicly plead my case. I forge on with my loyal listeners beside me. And what does Universal Orlando Resort do this year? They put him in a Santa costume yet again. The parks know I do this. There's really no way not to, and it's frankly weird at this point that nothing has significantly changed. It's like there's a flawed corporate mentality at the highest levels, that Christmas is not at all tied to a religious holiday, and having a character celebrate Hanukkah would be too much or extra or somehow offensive to others. But Christmas is a religious holiday. I mean, Google Candlelight Processional. I only know the story of Christmas because Chris Hemsworth, Thor, read it to me at a lectern in the middle of Disneyland. So yeah, these things can be pretty biblical. And just trust me on this one. It is not to say that Christmas should not be in the parks. It should be. It's glorious. There's nothing like it, baby. You love it and I love it too. I mean, the lights, the music, the toy soldiers, the snowfall. It's freaking magic. I do not want the level of Christmas bonanza in these parks to change a single bit. I just want these parks to collectively do better work beyond what they've offered for so long. Give us more cultural celebrations. Give us more wintertime holidays. Disneyland kills it on the holidays, and Disney World is just behind them, but there's plenty of room for improvement for everyone. These parks, well maybe just Disney, are deeply focused on inclusivity for their staffs, their attractions, their roster of characters, and yet folks like myself keep getting the short stick, which is frustrating when it's this easy to bring us into the fold. How can every other character be extensively promoted near Christmas trees and paraded in Christmas garb, and we can't get a single decent product beyond a tea towel? Why is a third of Epcot's Hanukkah holiday booth Jewish deli food and a blue Cosmo? We're not asking for much here, but theme parks gotta step it up. Why can Shrek dress as Santa, quite literally Father Christmas, but the Yiddish-named ogre can't don a sweater with a dreidel on it? Corporate fear, if you ask me. Feels like a bunch of people at the top are unwilling to budge on giving us a main character who's a little bit different as to not alienate their base clientele. And so long as I have this podcast... I'm never going to stop pushing for Shrek to also start celebrating Hanukkah. So that's why we're here, to strive for inclusivity, to herald our one true Jewish swamp king, and frankly, to spend a very cool month luxuriating in the mud surrounding this glorious theme park creature who deserves as much attention as we're going to give him. DreamWorks may not like it, theme parks may not like it, but we will persevere until we get some sort of visibility for the most glorious wintertime character known to man or beast. Shrek. So each week, just like last year, I'll be bringing you a new and intriguing reported story that ties back to our lovable beast. The first door behind our month-long advent calendar of unhinged green mania takes us all the way over to Philadelphia to become more closely acquainted with Shrek Box. There's a chance you've already heard about it or seen a TikTok here or there, but Shrekbox is the brainchild of Will Kuyper, a very cool dude who serves as the director of Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival, runs some very cool VHS swaps around town, and oh yeah, has a repurposed mailbox outside his home dedicated to the free Take a Shrek, Leave a Shrek swapping of Shrek-related merchandise, onions, crafts, DVDs, and so much more. 
What began as a side project became somewhat of a phenomenon, as you'll soon hear. From neighborhood shenanigans to it being deemed a religious location, here's Will and I talking all things Shrekbox on this first episode of 2021's official Shrek-sember festivities. Thank you so much for being here on Very Amusing. I am a huge fan of Shrekbox, and I know a bunch of other people who listen are, and I'm I'm honored to have a, a true Shrek fan like you here on the podcast. For anyone unfamiliar with the origins of Shrekbox, I'd love if you can just tell them how this all began. Um, the idea came to me not for necessarily for like the Shrek box, but the repurpose um, newspaper boxes came to me years ago. And because um, I just noticed like a lot of the like newspapers, like even if they do exist anymore, they don't really seem to sell like a lot of boxes they don't use. Like maybe like mostly in like the center of the city here they're used, but there's a lot of like just abandoned newspaper boxes all across the city. And there's stuff with like trash and graffiti. And, and I just realized one day, like nobody's making them clean them up. Like, like what's the rules on this? Like, like they're just allowed to leave this stuff all over the city and the city's not cleaning them up. And so I thought someone should do something like, artistic with them so I, I had that idea for years um and then uh i don't know why i really don't know why i did it decided to do it this year but finally i i uh decided to do it and then the shrek box is born i guess but. and this was your first one is this still your only box yeah it was my first one was, that's why i mean the idea was originally to like my, the truck box is actually outside my apartment, but you know, the idea is that was kind of I, like either be able to do them out in the wild or bring them in and do them and put them back out in the wild, but to have them like, you know, kind of where they are, but I wanted to try to do one and then like put it outside my apartment so I could like manage it. And cause the other, if I do more, you know, they're going to go out and be on their own. So, you know, it's Philadelphia, who knows what happens. I mean, we're famous for, killing the hitchhiking robot and throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and all that. So I don't know how long they'll survive out there, but so like, I guess like the Shrek box is kind of like my proof of, you know, <laughs> concept in a way. When you first, you know, did this box, right. Put it in front of your place. How long did it take before you got your first item from a stranger? It didn't take long, maybe a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It got, it got attention immediately. I thought we were going to put it out and it would get like a few giggles and be mostly ignored. I mean, I didn't really know what to think was going to happen. The first thing we got, I think was an onion, but the, yeah, I think the first item was like the next day, but I don't even know if it was like 24 hours. It was pretty quick, but it was like, and uh, it was an onion. What was your reaction in the first week to all of this happening? Um, no, I wasn't expecting it. No, nothing I've ever done. <laughs> Nobody ever likes anything I do. It always seems like, <laughs> because well, I was making this and I kept explaining it to people and I would be like, it's, I'm making a Shrek box. And they'd be like, what's that? And I'm like, I, mean, I wouldn't really answer. I'd be like, well, you take a Shrek, leave a Shrek. And they're like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, it's take a Shrek, leave a Shrek. But, um, so no, I didn't expect it to, the, the most times my stuff just falls flat. So I, I didn't expect it, and I and I definitely didn't expect. It. I mean, I think the first TikTok was well, it was definitely the, the first week. Someone someone made a TikTok video of it, and I think it just then blew up. Then it was like everything, like you so, like whatever 
social media, you name it. And then like, you know, on there several times, like then all of a sudden it was like, you know, like three or four TikTok videos and two or three Reddit posts and, and all the like Philly Facebook groups and, and all that stuff. So, um, but, but I didn't, I was actually shocked that it, that it, it's, you know, it was such a big hit, I guess. Oh my God. I, I saw an article from the Billy Penn back in May that said you would hear the hinges open and close all day long. Is that still the case? Yeah. Um, the, like, uh, now, I mean, it still gets a lot of attention, especially on the weekends from drunk people. The children love it. The parents in the neighborhood must hate me. Because, like, I hear the parents being like, come on, we're going to school. And the kid's like, the, the box, the box. It snaps back the, the door. So you just hear it, like, snapping back all day. And, you know, like, lots of people, like, giggling or discussing it or things like that. Um, it slowed down with, like, people, it seems like, exchanging items in it. But it has not really slowed down much about, um, uh, you know, people looking in it. I mean, it's a lot slower. That first weekend after kind of the viral stuff was insane like it was like like people like i actually i would sat in the car my friend's car um outside my apartment and she was dropping me off and we wound up sitting there for an hour just watching people go to it and there was sometimes like people like like waiting for like someone else to take a picture and then so they could get up and take a picture and things like that it's not it's not that busy anymore but but it's still lots of people looking in it there's still a lot of people discovering it Oh you know, my like god! E- even though, as I've read, it's uh, on Google Maps, it's a religious destination. Yeah. And like, see, I didn't, I didn't. That we didn't do anything to promote it. Like when me and my um, friend who made it, I asked her, if, you know, like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to just put it out and see what happens? And that's what we decided to do. So we did no advertising or hinting about it. it like we literally just put it on the street and said nothing. And um, like even that Google thing, I, I didn't set that up. Like that just oh yeah. oh I I know. If there's one thing I've learned from this is our second second annual Shrek Sember celebration, which I'm committed to do probably until I hopefully die of old age in many many years. But I've learned that the Shrek community is so much wider and more passionate than I realized. Have you yeah. also experienced that by way of Shrek Box? Yeah, and it's like, I think that's why it's blown up. I think I kind of knew that. When people ask me why I did Shrek Box, like made it Shrek, um, I, uh, I think part of me knew that. Like the all, I, I think there's, I think there's a, there's a like a, like people that grew up with it and actually like the movie. People who grew up with it that like don't like the movie but think you know like like it like like ironically. And then there's just the whole meme community around it. So I think it has like like almost like three big factions that like it, and then all together they're huge. So I did I did kind of you know I well, I knew that so I um, and I did experience that way because it was yeah I mean like the amount of the the creative stuff that we've gotten like almost any kind of art technique we gotten like crocheted stuff like abstract Shrek art and like you know like uh, someone made like leather key fobs. Uh, it's just like the, the amount, like the different types, like sculptures and all kinds of things that, you know, like that definitely, you can see the, um, the passion behind. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have a PO box or somewhere people can mail things to, or is this truly just on the ground? 
we actually got we got so I got a message on Instagram one time that somebody from Greece said that I sent a letter and I was like sent a letter to where <laughs> <laughs> and he's like the address listed on for Shrekbox I'm like what the hell is he talking about so then I googled it and on that Google um listing is my address so I just think uh, and it said the other day someone from Florida asked me if she could mail something so I'm like well it's already on the internet so I mean it's right in front of my house so I mean it's not like the secret anyhow oh yeah true because it's it's literally on Google Maps <laughs> yeah so so <laughs> that's my address <laughs> so you can just mail it there and I guess address it to me or just, just mail like envelopes of cash it's totally <laughs> cool <laughs> um so about the items within the box what is the most noteworthy item that you've seen pass through there and is there anything you've seen that you've kept for yourself no um no you know and it's hard i made it i was like we can't keep stuff because if we do that then like it'll defeat the purpose and there's been the closest I came to was a this is um person that makes um like Shrek tarot cards. Yes, like, yeah. They're beautiful. And the first time um she put them in there, I had wanted to keep them. So what I tried to do was I glued it to one of them to the, the box and someone ripped it off. Like, like, just tore off. Like, that, you know, I, you can't get mad because it's the purpose of the box is to take stuff. But no, I, I, I haven't kept, I don't think I've kept anything. I've came close, but I, I like, just besides, like, the stuff that I, I don't think it's, like, safe to keep in the box. Like, someone put fireworks in there, and I was like, my luck phone will decide to light them in the box. So I took, like, those in. But, but nothing, um, uh, we haven't kept anything. Have you gotten any pushback from the community or even like law enforcement? No. Um, I was worried about the neighbors, but doesn't seem like like most of the neighbors have told me, like even like the people that live in my building above me, like have said they like it. I mean, Philly's got, I hope Philly's got way more important things than my box to worry about in sense of law enforcement. So I would hope. <laughs> I haven't, and I would hope that I never will. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could just say that, too. If a cop showed up, you'd be like, don't you have more important things than a Shrek box? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just on my property, so I don't think there's anything, really, anything I, I'm, that I'm doing any wrong. How often do you check the box? I used to check it every, like, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I less so now. But, I mean, it's right there, and I'm I'm home all day and bored, so... I go out there and peep at it every so often. God. I mean, you started this during a pandemic at a time when so many of us had to distance from each other. How nice has it been to communicate with strangers in this very safe and fun way the entire time? You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I did an interview for, I think, The Atlantic, and um, the reporter kept bringing that up. And I, I actually hadn't even crossed my mind. Like, but I, but I, but I, but when she was talking to me about it, I thought, it must have been, maybe it was a nice thing during the pandemic, like all these people kind of being able to like interact in a way, but, but in a safe way and, and, you know, not, and, you know, like not have to see each other. So um, maybe that's why it was also a hit. Like it was like a, a way for people to make, you know, like different art projects and, and share those with each other. And even though they don't know who's taking their, their art or item that they left, it's just a nice thought that 
you know, to be able to share like that during the, the pandemic. Like it kind of made me feel good about Philly again, like seeing that how much of a community project it kind of became. I didn't expect the art. You know, when I had originally kind of did it, I was thinking more of like Shrek items. I know there's a lot of merchandise out there. I mean, they had Burger King toys and all kinds of stuff. So um, I thought maybe that's what people would exchange. But it became this like art exchange, which was really a lot of fun. Like, what's the vibe around town? Are you kind of, because I know you have a film festival. Are you known as the film guy or are you now kind of known as the Shrek guy? I do a lot of, um, I'm probably more known for like VHS swaps and stuff like that. Oh. Where people like, VHS has become really collectible again. So like, we have these like, where people sell and trade VHS. And um, I had put, I had put out a bunch of, a box of stuff like VHS that I was um, getting rid of. And somebody had picked it up and he actually wound up owning the like this ice cream like vegan ice cream place down the street for me it's called the chili banana or something it's like banana ice cream made out of bananas and then like i went there and was like oh hey i was the guy to get the and he's like oh you got do you own the shrek box i'm like oh yeah and that's about it i think <laughs> did you get free banana ice cream no i did not Oof. okay we gotta <laughs> we gotta up your cachet in town then <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. This is truly like the highlight of my week. Thanks for having me. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, Carly. It's Zane. I'm currently going through all of the very amusing episodes that I have not listened to yet, like a horrible person that I am. Um, um, so that's been really great, especially since we didn't have an episode this week, so sadly. So it's, it's been really nice to, like, catch up on what I missed. Um, but currently I'm on Shrek Simber, um, in all of that fun things. And I think I've only listened to the first episode of it. There's multiple parts, right? I think so. I've only listened to the first episode of it. I'm driving right now, so I'm not going to check. Um, but, uh, I love it. And I don't like Shrek, like, as a person, traditionally. Like, as a child growing up, I was like, Shrek isn't cool. He's green and mean. But I think I have to revisit um, Shrek now for Christmas, now that we're in the season. Which means I guess I have to spend money on Shrek, which I wasn't expecting to do. But it's okay, because I'm excited to revisit it again and see if I, you know, gain a new appreciation. Also, like, isn't there this, like, whole thing about how, like, Jeffrey Katzenberg low-key made Lord Bardwark, 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 uh, uh, Michael Eisner? Is this real? I feel like I've heard this. Please confirm. Thank you. Bye! If you've read The Men Who Would Be King, the book about the creation of DreamWorks, then you'd know exactly why Jeffrey Katzenberg would want to twist the knife at Michael Eisner in one of his films. And if you, say, started The Men Who Would Be King on a 12-hour road trip from Colorado back home to Los Angeles and fell asleep in the middle of it and begged your husband to turn it off so you could have a break and he ultimately finished it on his own, well, then you would be me, with just enough context about this but sadly not a real expert-level knowledge of it like I should have. So, besides me feeling guilty about that, there are plenty of Reddit posts and blogs and things discussing this very issue, but I have chosen to go back to the source to find out if Lord Farquaad in the Shrek films was indeed modeled after the former Disney head honcho Michael Eisner. 2001 Newspapers. Yes, there was a lot of discussion back when the film came out in newspapers across the world about this exact topic, and it was freakily well-documented. The Daily Mirror explained it most succinctly. For a decade, Katzenberg was a senior executive at Disney and oversaw the production of many of its modern animated classics, including Lion King and Aladdin. But when he was passed over for promotion to the number two position, Katzenberg fell out with his boss Eisner. He quit in 1995 to set up DreamWorks and then successfully sued Disney for the staggering 150 million pounds he was owed. The Daily Mirror is obviously a British newspaper. Philly Weekly wrote, The villain, a full-of-himself knight named Lord Farquaad, is a diminutive dead ringer for Disney overlord Michael Eisner. And the Sun Sentinel said, Rumor has it that DreamWorks' Shrek takes its share of pot shots at the Magic Kingdom with an Eisner-esque archvillain named Farquaad. 
Animated by the same folks who made the sophisticated ants, the quirky fairy tale pairs a talking donkey with an irritable green ogre in a mission to liberate a princess from Eisner. Oops, make that Farquaad's evil clutches. Woo! I mean, if that doesn't convince you that Lord Farquaad is kind of absolutely based on Michael Eisner, these many newspapers... With full staffs. Imagine, this is a while ago. These people have fact checkers. They have full newsrooms running. This isn't, you know, the days of publishing in 2021 right now where everything is basically farmed out and there's no fact checking and there's no newsrooms. But back then, they had budget. They had people working and clearing stuff. And all these newspapers are saying it, so I'm taking it as true. So yes, Lord Farquaad is apparently based on Michael Eisner, which oh just adds so many layers to this film, like an onion of its own. Thanks so much for calling. Hi, Carly. It's Jessica from Bay Area, Concord, California. I absolutely love your podcast, Five Stars Across the Board. I specifically wanted to ask you about Walt Disney World and the challenge you just talked about in your last podcast. I am going in February for my 29th birthday and can't wait. However, the challenge seemed a little bit too ambitious for me. So I wanted to see if you had any recommendations for the more basic challenge of going to all four parks and riding one ride, um, high ticket ride, and also eating something at each theme park. What are your recommendations for where I should eat and what ride attraction to hit in each park? I appreciate all your input. Have a great day. Bye. Okay, Jessica, I'm going to be real with you. I know that I have publicly asserted myself as not being a parkeology person. However, I just went through multiple attempts at telling you what I think your ideal customized birthday parkeology light style marathon day should be. And it is too intense. It is too intense. There are too many Disney Genie Plus Lightning Lane a la carte references. It is too much. So I'm going to pull it back and give you something a little more basic because I'm already in too deep. Maybe I am a parkeology person. Clearly I am fit for it for cramming everything into one day. So I'm going to give you just a, a lighter, easy breezier kind of birthday celebration. I would start, if I was you, at Magic Kingdom. And here, the ride I would tell you to ride is Peter Pan. Yes, it only lasts about what feels like 10 seconds, and the line is always unfathomably long. But I think it really packs a lot of Disney magic punch for what it is. And it's your birthday, and so it's nice to kind of travel somewhere else while you're still in Florida. As for what to eat, my personal favorite at the moment is buying a Mickey pretzel on the left side of the hub so it comes in that pretty pattern 50th anniversary paper, and then mobile ordering nacho cheese at Casey's Corner for the ultimate dunking experience. Yeah, we don't like peel top cheese here on Very Amusing, so I will now <laughs> instruct you to order $1 worth of cheese, confusing the staff very much when you're like, no, no, I don't have a hot dog, just cheese, and then uh, they give it to you and everyone thinks you're a weirdo, but who cares? I did it and you could do it too and it's delicious. Park hopping at the time of this is still at 2 p.m. So I would do whatever I need to do earlier in the day, whether it's a 7 a.m. Uh, buying my way into the lightning lane a la carte for Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, whether it's booking a boarding group for the virtual queue, yada, yada, yada. Either way, I would do my best to get on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Assuming things will work out because it's your birthday, 
I would head there after Magic Kingdom, and my snack would obviously be to mobile order some caramel popcorn from Caramel Kush. There are a million other dessert options in Epcot, yes, and you should probably get those too. But the key here, and why I like it so much, is that it's one of the best portable dessert options at Disney World. So that way, you can just munch on it all day long and celebrate your birthday when you probably should be having protein and instead are just eating sugars. Because it's your birthday, it's fine! After a little Epcot jaunt, I'd grab a bus over to Animal Kingdom. Why? Because you're here to catch the afternoon showing of Kite Tales, a show I am deeply obsessed with. Once you take the greatest show ever created in, you can hop on Expedition Everest. There might be a long line, but thankfully, you know, they have that single rider line, so any last minute problem can be solved. As for what to chow down on, we have options. I haven't, I haven't assigned you any actual food today. So grab a table outside Nomad Lounge and some small plates to nosh on. That's Brooke McDonald's favorite spot for a reason. It's fantastic. Or if you are so inclined and you do imbibe, I would send you over to go get a Dole Whip and rum because it's your birthday. And when it's nice out in the afternoon, it can be the perfect pre-dinner snack. And from there, we got Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, in an ideal, difficult, complicated world, you would have woken up at 7 a.m., gotten a lightning lane entry to Rise of the Resistance, or you could wait in line for a very long time, but it's your birthday. And that's kind of a bummer if you're not down for all that planning. So because Disney's Hollywood Studios is kind of filled with a lot of stressful rides at the moment, if you ask me, I mean, Slinky Dog, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, it's all, all about logistics and getting on board. So because this is a chill but packed birthday. We're instead going to head over to Star Tours. Ah, yes, Star Tours, where the wait is never too long, you still get a good amount of thrills, and frankly, Star Tours does not get the attention it deserves. I know it's been around for a millennia, but you can usually just roll up and get on board in 30 minutes or less. And that's the vibe we are going for on this birthday, to cram in all four parks, but still have a good time while doing it. As for your treat here... I could direct you a few different ways, but I'm going to send you to Starbucks for a carrot cake cookie, which was not in stock when I visited recently in in favor of a red velvet version for the holidays. Not the same. So when you're back, you deserve the real thing. And I hope that my anticipation for it will guide you through. I hope this was helpful. Um, the other version of this is is not <laughs> is not a guarantee you my my like ten minute long breakdown of Disney Genie Plus Lightning Lane like gaming the system booking this then that so you can pack things in is not the birthday that you need or deserve. So just grab yourself a pretzel and cheese, go on Star Tours. It's gonna be great and happy birthday. Hey, Carly, this is Enya, and I'm calling from the Netherlands. I just finished listening to your latest episode, and I'm calling about the creepy masks in the Italy Pavilion. I totally remember Molly from All Ears showing these masks in a video earlier this year. She had to ask the cast member to bring them out because they're not on display, and the masks are really creepy. Uh, Some show blood and wounds, and I hope you're sitting down for this. They even have a Voldemort and Death Eater-inspired masks in Epcot. Um, anyway, Molly's video is called Did We Just Find Voldemort in Disney World? And she shows the masks around the nine-minute mark. I hope this helps. Bye. Thank you so much to everyone who called in about this. For one reason or another, I somehow never wound up looping back on this topic that we discussed in the Churros Q&A portion, the Robin Lopez episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who reached out to solve this mini-mystery. 
Enya's totally right. There is an All Ears video with my girl Molly walking folks through the secret masks within Epcot. I will put a link to that video in the show notes so anyone else who's curious about it can also bring an end to this mystery. But they do indeed have a creepy Voldemort mask. Who knew? It's even creepier than I expected it to be because those little nose holes are real wackadoo when you see them in mask form. But regardless, there are so many hidden secrets and treasures to uncover in World Showcase, and I'm so thankful for everyone who reached out to solve this one. Thank you! Ugh, I love it! That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you especially to Will Kuyper and anyone who participated or shared in the glory that is Shrekbox. I will be clearing through the 747 Churros inbox before the end of the year, so if there is anything you've been dying to ask me and haven't yet, please, please, please call in this week so I can solve your mini mysteries, offer my opinion on your quirky question, or just tell you what I like to do in these year theme parks for the rest of the month. You can find this digital audio party, very amusing, wherever you get your podcasts, but especially on Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review us. It's like a combination Pizza Hut Taco Bell, but for doing things that help other future amusies know we're here and waiting for their arrival. A very special thank you to Pet Own Fan, ISU Amanda, Christy Barney, Hill1727, Mom Erin, Mary Did Laugh, Jess Allen, and everyone else who left such kind reviews and lovely words over at Apple. You can find me, Carly Wiesel, at Carly Wiesel on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find my Facebook group, The Fomily, at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This podcast was edited transatlantically by Jeff Fox. And if anything is wrong with the volume levels or you encountered any errors today, those would be my fault because I wrapped up the bit of the podcast at the end and I definitely goofed on something. So don't blame him. It's all my fault. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Hi, honey. I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. I have to talk kind of soft because dad's sleeping. It's very late. But um, I have a lot to say today. The super yucky t-shirt that has your name in it. Yes, I did buy one for myself. And even though I have never seen the kites exhibit, which we are going to definitely do, I now can walk around with your name in my shirt. I love that so, so much. And yes, you were 100% right, and I'm going to be totally honest. I'm a little bit insane, I have to admit it. When you did go to Camp Shy, I did put your name on every item that I packed. I had those little iron-ons, too, and I had sticker things, and I did put them on every sock. I did put them on your little undies, like somebody was going to steal them, but I didn't want you to lose any of your stuff. So I did extend that when you got brand new school supplies. I remember, I'm so sorry, honey. I remember giving you and Steve a marker 
And because I used to buy you really good school supplies, I made you write your name on each crayon. I really should have been locked up. But, yes, I did do that. You are 100% right. And when you were talking about the Wienermobile, that was probably five to seven minutes from our house growing up. And Dad and I have seen it a few times. And, yes, we used to get those whistles, too, but I've never heard of a glow-in-the-dark one. All right, back to business. I have to tell you, that was a great podcast. And I like listening to Dave Easton, and I really like listening also to Ted and Shane. I had no idea there was such a thing as parkeology. I know that you and I have done three parks in a day, but that's only like with a couple little rides here and there with many bathroom breaks and food snacks. I cannot imagine doing that. And even with the shortcuts, not going to the bathroom ten times. That It's a whole thing in itself. So they did very well, and I also want to do a shout-out to Shane because he said I was hysterical. I have no idea why, but thank you, Shane. I'll take it. And I think Shane's the one. He sounds a little bit like Ray Ramona. I kept thinking you had the guy from Who Loves Raymond. I thought, oh, my God, he sounded so much like him. All right. I just want to say this was a really, really, really great episode. I am definitely looking forward to Shrek-sember. Oh, my God, I love it. But for the meantime. I just want to say a very, very happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and thank you for letting me be on this podcast. I really enjoy being here. And you have 6,400 members informally. I can't believe it. I'm so happy, and I'm so proud of you, and I wear my tight T-shirt very proudly. I love you, honey. See you soon. Bye-bye.